What is your excuse? What's keeping you from making your commitment to Christ? I mean your total commitment. One of them that I hear is, I cannot understand the Bible. Jesus never said only understand. He said only believe. Augustine was a great scholar before he became a Christian. And looking back, he said, I always had to understand Socrates and Plato and Aristotle before I could believe them. With Jesus Christ, I believed in him first. Then I began to understand. Who understands gravity? Who understands electricity? Who understands how you can eat a meal and that food becomes blood and hair and bone and muscle and fingers and nerves and brains and teeth and skin? Who understands a black cow that you can milk and get white milk and yellow butter? Who understands all that? No one can explain all of it. So when you eat, we're strengthened. You have to start with the ABCs when you come to Christ. Come in simple childlike faith. I've met some of the greatest scientists in the world who are believers. And they came just like you have to come by simple childlike faith because we want to understand everything. But when you come to Christ and you come to spiritual things, there's some things you don't understand. You accept by faith. I don't understand how God never had a beginning. God never has an end. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't understand that. I quit trying to understand that a long time ago. I accepted by faith that God is and that God is the creator of the universe and he's my creator and he's my savior as well. Everybody can understand John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 25 words, a minute to a Bible. You can understand that, that God loves you, that Christ died for you, that you're a sinner, that you've broken God's laws, and in order to know God, in order to be sure you're going to heaven, you must believe and trust in His Son. All you need to know to be a believer is that you're a sinner and that God is looking for sinners. The disciples were not educated at the great universities, but they went out and turned the world upside down. And thousands of universities and colleges and all kinds of things are named for them today. 2,000 years later, these ignorant and unlearned men, but they knew one thing, they knew Jesus. And that's all you have to know to get to heaven and to have eternal life. And that's more than a great many of our great men knew or know. And second excuse that I hear sometimes is, I want to make a commitment to Christ, but I'm too sinful. I'll wait till I do better. I read in the press the other day of an actress who said, I've ruined my life. No, she hadn't ruined it. If she'd come to Christ at the cross, there's power in the blood of Christ to cleanse her from all the mistakes and all the sins that she'd made. Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of which I'm chief. Notice Paul said he's the chiefest of sinners. Don't you feel like saying that sometimes? I do. I feel like saying I am the chief of sinners, not Paul, it's Billy Graham. And I come to the cross and I recommit my life to Christ and I find cleansing and forgiveness there.
Jesus Christ came to save sinners and you cannot justify yourself. All our own righteousness is filthy rags, the Bible said. All the good works that we do will not save us. We're to do good works. We're to give to the poor and the hungry and we're to help build hospitals and we're to help in the work for peace and to help better race relations and all these other things. But that is not going to save our souls. Our souls are saved by the grace and the mercy of God as we come in simple faith to the cross. And then there are some people that say, well, I'm self-sufficient. I don't really need Christ. There are people right here in Tallahassee, self-sufficient. We don't really need anything. We have everything. What do we need Christ for? Well, one day they're going to wake up and they're going to realize that they've waited too late. They need him. They need him now to prepare for the future because whether they like it or not, they're going to die and they're going to face the judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And then there are other people that say, well, there are too many hypocrites in the church. I think that's the most foolish of all excuses. There are quacks among doctors. Does that mean you'll never go to a doctor? because there's a false one somewhere. The church is not a perfect organization. The family isn't perfect. You're not perfect. We live in an imperfect world and we're not going to be perfect till we get to heaven. But when you come to Christ, you're on your way. That's called sanctification. You start being sanctified and you are sanctified progressively and you're fully and totally sanctified when you stand in the presence of Christ. I don't expect perfection till I get to heaven. And then there are people that say, well, I would come to Christ, but I'd have to give up too much. You give up a great, thing, great deal for other things. You give up a great deal to get an education or to give your children an education. Some of you will give up almost anything for power. People will give up almost anything for money. Whether it's money or power or social prestige, you'll do most anything. But what about coming to Christ? The scripture says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence there's fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In Christ there's pleasure. In Christ there's joy. In Christ there's fulfillment. There's purpose and meaning to life in Christ. Moses gave up a home and the palace of Pharaoh for the prospect of wearing the crown of an empire. He gave the whole thing up for Christ. He gave up all the pleasures of Egypt to become a leader for God. You never give up anything that is worthwhile to become a believer. Everything you now have that is wholesome and worthwhile, you can keep. And everything that is unwholesome and unhealthy and destructive, God will take away from you as you turn from sin and put your trust in Christ. God gave everything he had for you. The scripture says he spared not his own son. And when they were driving those nails in the hands of Jesus, and they were pulling his beard, when they were pulling out his hair, when he was bleeding and they put the spear in his side and the spikes through his feet, how do you think God felt? God the Father. 72,000 angels pulled their swords ready to come and rescue him. But Jesus said, I love them too much because if I come down from this cross, there'll be no salvation for any human being. I have come to do the will of my Father to reconcile man to God. And only through the cross can it be done. And he stayed on that cross because he loved you and you're important to him. And then there are others that say, I've tried before to live a Christian life but made a failure. 
What will I do? I'm just, I've just given up. You get up and confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. And then there are people that said, well, I'm afraid of being misunderstood. And the Bible teaches that the world is at enmity with God. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. There's going to be a certain amount of persecution and misunderstanding if you start living for the Lord. And then there are others that say, well, I'm afraid I can't hold out. Do you say that about the university? Or about being married? I'm afraid I can't hold out. A lot of them do that anyway. Or about to take a job? I don't think I can hold out. God can keep you. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. We are kept by the power of God. And then there are other people that say, well, I intend to make my decision for Christ sometime, but not now. That's dangerous. The scripture says in Proverbs 27, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. There's always a big if about tomorrow. We don't know whether tomorrow will come for us or not. What is your excuse? What's keeping you from making your commitment to Christ? I mean your total commitment. God can become angry with you. When you refuse Christ, you refuse God's offer of mercy and love, and He's done everything He can for you, and you reject Him and turn Him down and say no. What else can God do? There's nothing. He's offered you salvation. He's offered you everything that he can offer you. Now, what do you have to do? All you have to do is receive. He's offering you forgiveness of your sins. He's offering you a new life. Now is the time, right now.